your way. Go on, have it your way. So we're, we're coming to this passage in chapter 12, and we're talking about Sabbath, okay? And, and you had a group of people, religious leaders, that were kind of having their way with the Sabbath and what they thought it should be. But then Jesus confronts them on that, and he's like, nah, this is not what God intended from the very beginning. So they were having their way with it. Now, just as a way of introduction, I want to ask you something, okay? Kind of seem, might seem random, but I'll bring it all together here. So how many were around in 1974? 1974. Oh, my goodness. A lot of, a lot of people. 1974. Who was not around in 1974? I actually wasn't. I was born in 1983. All right, we just aged everybody. About half and half. That's great. Love that. Okay, so in 1974, something changed, okay? It was, it was amazing, awesome, because in 1970, but prior to this point, when you ordered something, you just got it as is. Don't like the pickles? Peel them off. Don't like the onions? Too bad. Allergic to mushrooms? Guess you're getting hives, okay? Like, it you just had to figure it out, okay? But in 1974, you might know this, but Burger King introduced a new slogan, have it your way, to where you could order it your way. Didn't want pickles? You didn't have to get on there. Didn't want onions? It's okay. Didn't want mushrooms? We'll take them off, okay? So I came across this commercial. Maybe you remember this commercial if you were around in 1974 when Burger King introduced it. Now, I will say the quality is not very good. If you ever get a, like a text message video from an Android user, then it's like this big on there. Sorry. Sorry. I probably shouldn't have said that. Y'all are going to cancel me now. So um, all the Android users. Okay, so let's take a look at this video. This is a, a, I was about to say an hour long, not an hour long commercial, minute long commercial. And, uh, and so take a look. Here it is. And if you want to sing along, sing along. Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. No! Just kidding. We can serve your rosy flopper fresh with everything on top of any way you think is proper. Have it your way. Now that's the way to do things. Our way. Come on, everybody. Our way. Have it your way. I don't know the rest of the words. Anyway. <clears throat> Great job, everybody. Great job. Give yourself a round of applause right there. Doing so good. So good. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist showing that to everybody. But um, the Pharisees, this was this religious group, they were having their way with this idea of the Sabbath. Now that, now that we're talking about like Sabbath and rest and something, I want to ask you a question. You can just answer it in your head. Okay, a scale one to ten, one being bad, ten being really good. How are you doing with the discipline of rest? Okay, you can just answer in your head, scale one to ten, how are you doing? And I bet if we all were to share how we're doing with Sabbathing, it probably wouldn't be very high. We'd probably have some, a lot of low numbers. We're not doing very well with this idea 
of rest. And part of the problem was, at least back in that day, they were misusing this idea of Sabbath, the religious leaders, and they were teaching the people to live like this. And so Jesus and his disciples, they're just going along. They get into this, this argument, this confrontation with the religious leaders over this idea of the Sabbath. So we're going to look at it. We're going to see how the religious leaders were having their way with the Sabbath, which was wrong, starting in chapter 12, verse 1. Here we go. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So per their usual activity, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were trying to discredit Jesus, trying to trap him in some way. So this is what they do, undermine his teaching. So then Jesus responds with two illustrations to show them the error of their conclusion. Okay, so this is what it says in verse 3. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? So talking about the Old Testament, King David, he says he entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the, the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. So here you have Jesus referring back to David and his companions because he and, and Jesus' companions, disciples, were doing something similar. And he's telling the Pharisees, look, David did it. You ever had you know, your kids be like, well, so-and-so did it? <laughs> he's kind of saying that same thing. He's like, well, David is the one that did this already, and it wasn't a big deal. Then he uses now another illustration to reinforce the same point. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? In other words, you got these priests that are working in the temple on the Sabbath day and yet they're innocent. Like they, they aren't held guilty for working on the Sabbath. Verse six, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. In other words, now he's saying, look, even the rule book says it's cool. Like that my disciples do this kind of thing. Like even they, they, you know, the rule book says it's fine. And it's interesting that he's referring to David and he's referring to the temple and he says these words, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. I mean, what would be greater than the temple? I mean, obviously the thing that dwells in the temple, which is God. You have Jesus here making a subtle hint like, hey, I'm God. I'm greater than the temple. Oh, and by the way, I'm greater than David. I'm greater than the law. All of those things, I'm greater than all of those things. So I, when I say the disciples can do this on the Sabbath, then they can do this on the Sabbath. And then what Jesus says, look, you wouldn't even have come to this erroneous conclusion about my disciples had you understood this one principle. And this principle is really, really important for us to catch. Okay, verse seven says this. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So here you have Jesus first establish his authority, and then second, he lays out why the, the Pharisees are misusing the Sabbath by quoting an Old Testament verse. It's found in Hosea 6, 6. And we'll just read it from Hosea. It says this, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. What Jesus is saying in this principle is that what God desires is not just outward obedience, but an inward commitment to his truth. It would be like, um, 
So how many parents we have in here? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay, lots of parents. Um, it'd be like if your, your son, moms, we'll just talk to the moms. If, if moms, you asked your son to clean his room, okay? Let's just hypothetically speaking, all right? Uh, asked him to clean your room. And, and he responded with, oh, mom, I'm so thankful to live here in your home. <laughs> I'm, I would be glad to clean my room. I'll go do that now, okay? Now, that's never happened on planet Earth, I know. Um, but, okay, now let's say another scenario. Hopefully I remember what I just said. Okay, what if your, your son uh, said, said that you say, hey, can you clean, clean your room? He said, oh, mom, you know, I'm so glad to live here in your house. You know what I'll have to go do? I'll go go clean my room right now. Thanks, mom. How many know I pretty much said the same words, but how many know that my heart was not the same? Okay, the attitude is totally different. And that's what God is talking about here. Listen, you obey the, the Sabbath, you do all the outward stuff, but your heart is far from me. And I know that because you elevate these small little laws above the bigger laws, which is like mercy, having mercy and being caring about others. And so for them, they didn't understand this. The Pharisees didn't because God wants sincer sincerity, not just outward compliance. It was easier, it's an easier thing to obey a rule with my body, but the harder thing to do is to obey it with my heart. And for the Pharisees, they were pointing out a technicality, but the harder thing for them to do was to have compassion on these homies that were doing the Lord's work and they were just hungry, okay? But instead, they were wanting to point out these little technicalities. And what I love about Jesus is, he goes immediately and he's like, okay, okay, just to illustrate this for y'all, we're gonna go do a lab right now. Okay, you ever have lab class back when you're in college or in school or whatever? You'd be, you talk about it conceptually and you talk about it and, then he's, and that's what Jesus is doing. We're talking about all these principles. He's like, why don't I go show you what I'm talking about? So this is what he says in verse nine, the very next verse. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. Okay, so these Pharisees would have been probably leaders in the synagogue. So the synagogue was like a Jewish church in a town. They had lots of these synagogues all over the place. And so these Pharisees come, they're pointing out, being all critical. And so Jesus says, well, why don't we go to your synagogue real quick? So he goes over to their synagogue, verse 10, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Here we go, the lab just started. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Verse 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched out it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Verse 14, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So the Pharisees, these religious leaders, were using the Sabbath. They were having their way with it, but they were not using it how it was supposed to be used. They were using it as a bat instead of a blessing, how God in intended it to be used. In fact, they did that with all of God's laws. They would take these laws and they would use it to oppress, control, and maintain power over the people. And when Jesus came and started telling the real definitions of these laws and these, what God had given the people, now that the Pharisees didn't like this, What's really interesting about all of this is that these, these guys, these religious leaders, were trying, they were making a big deal about obeying the fourth commandment, observing the Sabbath and keeping it holy. 
but yet they were plotting together and they were gonna break the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. (laughs) So they didn't care about God's law. They didn't even care about God. They were just concerned about their power, but they were using, it was all cloaked in this religiosity and Jesus was pointing all of that out and the subject matter was the Sabbath. They were misusing this idea of rest, what God intended to be a blessing to us. So if that's how they were using it, the wrong way to use it, the question is, how should we use Sabbath? Like, what is God's plan for one day in seven to rest? Like, what is his desire for us? And I wanna just take a few minutes here to talk about what God's plan is for us as it relates to this idea of Sabbath. So if you're taking notes, I, I hope that you'll write this down. Sabbath is a gift from God for our mind, body, and soul. Sabbath is a gift from God for our mind, body, and soul. What's kind of interesting is that in Mark chapter two, it's the same story. He, he makes an account of this same story of the disciples going through the grain fields, picking uh, the grains and the Pharisees, you know, not liking that. And there's this confrontation. And what's interesting is that Mark includes something that Jesus says that Matthew doesn't, that we didn't read in Matthew for whatever reason. And this is what Mark includes when Jesus responds to the religious leaders. This is what he says, verse 27 of Mark chapter two. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, when God created the whole world, created all this stuff, he didn't just create the Sabbath and say, you know what, I need some minions to to obey the Sabbath. I just need to find something. So I'm gonna create these humans and I'm gonna put them on earth and really what I want them to do is just obey the Sabbath because the pinnacle of my creation was the Sabbath. No, that's not how he did it, but that's how the the Pharisees were treating the Sabbath. It was the other way around though. God created humans and he's like, they're gonna be busy. There's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of trees to, to cut down and build stuff with and they've gotta gather food and they've gotta create things and they're gonna be tired And so you know what? I'm gonna create Sabbath for them, a moment of rest, one day in seven to where they can take a break. And I'm actually gonna model that for them. We'll we'll talk about that here in a few minutes, but that's how God created. So the Sabbath wasn't intended to be a burden to constrain us any more than the banks of a river hinder water, but rather the Sabbath is a limiter to bless us. It's a way to put the brakes on human ambition. It's a limit on on working employees to death. It's a boundary on greed. It's a moment to rebuild our minds. It's a moment to collect our our purpose, our meaning, and reconnect with God. It's It's a time to pause and remember why we're doing what we're doing. It's an opportunity to just take one day in seven and connect with the natural rhythms of how we were created. Now, let me ask you, um, how are you whenever you're tired? Like, how's your, how's your attitude? You have a bad attitude sometimes? Yeah? When you're tired? How is it when your two-year-old is tired? Is that pleasant? What about your 10-year-old? What about your teenager? What about your husband? Oh, he gets grumpy. You need to feed him and make sure he gets sleep, okay? All right, you just need to make sure you just take care of him, all right? So, but we all get, we're all not ourselves whenever we're tired. You know, I just wonder, maybe if some of the things that we, we struggle with, it's simply because we're not getting the rest the way that God created us. 
that maybe the thing in your life where you keep getting angry and it's causing tension in your marriage, what is it, what if it's just because you're not getting the rest that you're supposed to get? I mean, I don't mean to oversimplify things, but what if your addiction that you're, you're constantly going to is because you're tired and so because you don't have enough self-control to say no to those things because you're tired. But if you weren't tired, you were well-rested, you'd be like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. You'd have more self-control. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying you know, each situation's different. I'm sure it's complicated. But I'm just suggesting that, that we're all a better version of ourselves whenever we're not tired. Would you agree with that? We're all better off. And just what if maybe that God created this idea of Sabbath for us to, to take advantage of that opportunity because he doesn't need rest. We're the ones that need the rest. He said, you're gonna need this one day in seven at the very bare minimum to take a break because you're tired. What if the difference between you being tired and the well-rested you would be the same as the non-Sabbathing and the Sabbathing you? So it's just on a larger scale. In the same way you maybe don't get good sleep one night and you're tired and you're grumpy and you're moody the next day. Maybe, what if it's the same way, like your whole life is that way because you're not Sabbathing like you should be? What if there's this underlying, like, you're just not yourself because you're not living in the rhythms in which God has created the universe and he's encouraged us to live by? Now, here's another question. Kind of begs this question as well. Like, why have we as a society kind of abandoned this whole idea of Sabbath besides Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, right? (laughs) Like, they're the only ones still doing it. (laughs) Like, why have we we done that? There's this uh, fascinating book uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He's a teaching pastor. Great book. I encourage you to get a copy of it. But I want to read you some stats on just that he, he outlines in the book of just how we've gotten to this breakneck speed that we're at, to where we've just gotten faster and faster and faster. There's more and more and more to where we say, well, we really don't have time to rest. We've eliminated the, the whole idea of Sabbath. We've said, we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. Like, how do we get to this place? And he lays out, I love it. So I encourage you to stay tuned in on these stats, but they're really fascinating. Okay, in 1879, Edison invented the light bulb, which was a big change because now you could stay up and you could do work during the night. Like you just turn on the light and now you can work even later. Before then, you just had the natural rhythms of the sun would go up, you know, come up, would would set, and then it's like, what else are you gonna do? Okay, well, I guess we'll go to sleep. In fact, fascinating stat. I almost didn't believe it when I read it is prior to 1879, the average person got 11 hours of sleep a night. 11 hours of sleep. It's like we were all teenagers back then, you know? It's like, this is fabulous. (laughs) Now, obviously, in the winter, they probably slept a little bit more. In the summer, they probably slept a little bit less, but they followed the natural rhythms of the sun. And being able to stay up longer now because of light, now we're able to do more, produce more, build more, and achieve more. At the turn of the 20th century, you had the Industrial Revolution, which was well underway. We were inventing cars, appliances, you had electricity, you had all these things starting to develop, and you would think that all these conveniences would start to free up more time. Now we've got more time. Look, that made it easier, because it's true, those appliances would make things easier. So now you would hopefully have more time. In fact, in the 1960s, these futurists thought that would be the case. They, they put together this uh, Senate subcommittee that was doing some research, and they came away with the conclusion. In 1967, they came away with this conclusion. By 1985, the average American will work 22 hours a week and 27 weeks a year. 
Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be really nice to be able to not be able to work that much. How many know they were wrong? <laughs> they were definitely wrong. In fact, a more recent study showed that the average American today works four more weeks a year than the average person did in 1979. So we're only working more and more and more. And then in 2007, we had the digital revolution. Many believe that's essentially when that started, when you had Steve Jobs introduce the iPhone. This changed really everything. Also, that was the same year that Facebook allowed anybody with an email to be able to get onto their, their platform. There was a microblog that turned into this thing called Twitter. That was the first year that the App Store was re released. It was also the first year of the cloud. And so that's when they say 2007 was the, the year the digital revolution took place. And what's interesting is, ironically, everything that was meant to save us time is now only serving to make us busier. In fact, if the average um, iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day, two and a half hours of use and 76 sessions. And if you're a millennial, then you can double that. And Gen Z, I have no idea. You probably double that again, okay? But we're using it. And you know what's interesting about this? I'm not necessarily just talking about like going places, doing stuff, you know, getting the kids to the soccer game. I mean, we're all, you know, busy in that way. But I just feel like for our generation, it's our minds are always going. Can anybody else relate to this? It's always messages, always notifications, always some kind of advertisement. Somebody's always trying to get my attention. And my mind is always going, always going. And so it's really not so much a fatigue of our you know, body, although there's still a lot of labor jobs out there where you use your, your body. A lot of those are going away. In today's world, we, a lot of us sit at a desk and do work. But really, right now, it's our minds are constantly going, and that's what's becoming tired. In fact, technology has had a huge impact on us. In the year 2000, the average attention span was 12 seconds. Grand, that's not very long, okay? But since then, it has dropped to eight seconds. Did you know that the average goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds? So we are losing to goldfish, people. This is not good. This is not good, okay? All right, so everything has sped up, and it's impacting our health, our minds, our spiritual lives, our families, our friends. Having it our way isn't going so well. Everything is speeding up. So I would say we, we, we need Sabbath today more than ever. Like we need an opportunity to say one in seven, I'm going to rest. So what I wanna give you in our remainder of our time is just two steps, two practical steps. I believe the Lord wants to help you be able to implement Sabbath into your life. Okay, the first one is learn to say it's enough. Learn to say it's enough. In fact, let's all say that together on three. One, two, three, it's enough. It's enough. In fact, if you look at Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 31, all the way back at the beginning, when God was, had created everything and then now it was the seventh day, the Sabbath, the day that he rested. I wanna read this to you. It says in Genesis chapter one, verse 31, we'll go into chapter two. And God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And so the heavens and the earth were completed in all their heavenly lights. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. 
He was finished. There was nothing else to do. And it's almost like God stepped back and said, it's enough. It's sufficient. In fact, the word Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat, which means to cease, to end, to rest. It means literally just to stop, like just stop. It was a few weeks ago, um, one of our friends had a family emergency and they asked uh, Becca and I to go over and watch their two boys. Their boys are five and two years old and they are hilarious. They're awesome. They're very, very talkative. And it was before school. And so we went over, it was really early in the morning, but they were up and ready to go. And, and um, we were, it was funny, they did, each one of them did this to us individually. We were talking to them and right in the middle of what we were saying, they would just go, stop. They just hold out their hand, go stop. And I'll be honest with you, the, the two-year-old said it so confidently, I was just like, I just want to obey you. I, I, I just feel like you're so commanding right now, like commanding the room. So, um, so anyway, it was, it was hilarious. But, you know, both of them did that. They were like, hey, are you guys ready to get ready and eat your, your bread? Stop. You know, they just come out and say stop. And I feel like that's what we need when it comes to the Sabbath. I need somebody to come up to me and be like, hey, stop. Nope, you're done. Six days. You worked. Now you're done. It's enough. It's sufficient. Somebody needs to come along and say, it's done. And I know that this is so anti-American because we're the ones that achieve, we do stuff, we're free, we go out and build things. And the truth is that there's a ditch on either side of the road. So there could be some people that aren't living out their full God potential because they're lazy. Okay, so that's one side of the ditch. The other side could be this, that you're living out so much ambition that really it's all about you and just your dreams and it's not really anything about God. And you might be using a little bit of God to say, justify the things that you're doing, but God is not calling you to do all of those things. He's just saying, hey, I'll, here's what I want you to do. Here's the track I want you to stay on. And it's gonna be better and more amazing than you ever could imagine. But these other things I'm not calling you to do. Because here's, here's the reality. You can pull this up on the screen. When our ambition outpaces God's plan for us, we are headed for disaster. If you've ever been burned out, and I've, I've been in this place before, so I'm not saying this as a condemnation. It's where I was doing, over-functioning, doing way more than I was supposed to do or what God had called me to do, and I was burned out as a result of it. And he's just like, why are you trying to do so much? Why are you trying to be so much so quick? You don't wanna be in that place. You need, we need to step back, and Sabbath is a natural limiter on those things. For us to pull back and get recalibrate and say, wait a minute, what has God really called me to do? It allows for that space for God to speak to us. When we don't see the universal pace limit that God has created, we work against the very order of how we were made and we end up paying the price. So what does God do? In verse three, he says this, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because on it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So there were six days and he set apart, he made it holy. That's the idea there. It's like, just like that third song that God is holy. He's set apart. And so on the seventh day, it was set apart. It was made different. In other words, the, the first six days look one way. He's creating stuff. The stars are being made, the moon, the sun, the earth is changing, plants, animals, people, all that stuff is happening. And then, boom, the seventh day, different. It looks different. And none of that stuff's happening. It's stop. It's enough. For our lives, that's what we're supposed to do. There's supposed to be, hey, we work, we go, we do stuff. Six days, we're doing stuff. And then the seventh one, it should look different. 
But, you know, for us as Americans, including myself, I, I just want to go, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I want to be clear, I'm not anti-technology. So just so you know, this is not a, a talk on anti-technology. I'm just saying we've got to make sure we put it in its place because it's distracting us. It's causing us, it's robbing us of this blessing that God gave us from the very beginning called the Sabbath. That I'm constantly going to that. I'm constantly, what is intended to make my life easier is making it harder. And it's my own desires that are doing it because I want to get on social media. I want to see the latest news. I want to see, I want to answer that email. But I've got to have, and we've got to have the discipline to say, no, it's enough. It is enough. Our bank account is enough. Our ambition is enough. Our home is enough. Our car is enough. All of those things are enough. It's that contentment to say, God, it's enough. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna look back at the previous six days and say, it's good. It's sufficient. I trust you, God, now to step forward. So here's the second step. So the first one is to be able to just say it's enough. That it's enough. The second one is Sabbath is the space and the Lord is the source. Sabbath is the space, but the Lord is the source. So having a day of rest is good, right? Your, your body's gonna get to rest, your mind's gonna get to rest. Even those that don't know the Lord, that, that would be a good practice for them. It just taps into the natural rhythms of how we were created as human beings. But it's, that's not the complete story. For us as believers, we've gotta tap into this additional source. And I wanna read you a scripture from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. I want you to listen to these words. It says this. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. I love that. He will not grow tired or weary. You can be sure of this. God's not gonna be tired. He's not gonna be worn out. He does not need Sabbath. He modeled Sabbath for us, but he does not need Sabbath because he does not get tired. He does not get weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Have you ever been weary? Have you ever been weak? Well, your source of power is in the Lord because you know you could tap into him. He's always gonna have power. There's never gonna be an outage with him. He's always got a more than enough supply. He says this, he gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isn't that good? Man, that's so, so good. I don't have enough because I get tired. I get worn out. I get weary. Even when I'm Sabbathing and I'm giving my body time to rest, how many know life can just hit you in certain seasons in tough ways? You can just, you're just worn out from that season of life. And that is the moment that we've got to make sure that we're tapped into, that we're connected to the ultimate source, which is God. His invitation to say, why don't you connect to me? Why don't you get your, your power, your source of strength from me? If you're tired and weary, in fact, it's no mystery why Jesus would say these words, and we read this last week in our study on Matthew, he says this in Matthew 11, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. So then Sabbath is a space to reconnect with God. It's just creating space in your life. It's just one day in seven. So for me, it's not Sundays, okay? For, for me, it's a, it's a different, it's Saturday, actually. So, because I'm, I work on Sundays. I'm, I'm here, I'm doing, I'm doing this. But for you, whatever day it might work out for you, it's just one day in seven, you'd say, okay, I'm gonna create that space. But now, it's a, that's not the complete story, though. We've gotta then reconnect with God. And how do we do that? Well, the, the scripture says it right there. We place our hope or our trust or our faith in God. You know, when we, when we put our hope in God, it makes it a lot easier to mean from your heart when you say it's enough. Like when you look at your bank account and you feel like you need to work one more day just to make sure you got enough money, you can look at that and say, you know what, it's enough. And you can do that because where's your hope? In the bank account? No, it's in God. Your hope is in God. So now you can renew your strength. Now you can step back. Now you can say it's enough. Now you can take that time to rest and reconnect with God. And what if we, what if we did that over and over, week after week? I bet we wouldn't be so tired. I bet we wouldn't be so worn out. I bet it would be easier to honor God. I bet it would be more fun to live life. I bet, our, I bet we could be a better husband or better wife, better dad, better mom. I bet we could be a, a better friend. I bet we could be a better volunteer. I bet everything would get better if we'd simply put this rhythm into our life of I'm gonna create space and I'm gonna reconnect with God. My hope, my energy, my life is gonna come from the Lord. How is it gonna come from him? By simply placing my hope. Everything I'm worried about, everything I'm concerned about, but what if I stop doing this? What if I take a break from that? What if I don't answer this email? What if I don't take that call? You know, God's got all that figured out. If you'll honor him, he will honor you. If you'll say, God, I'm gonna create this space, it's gonna make me nervous, you know what, he can work out all the details. It's gonna be a step of faith. It's gonna be an opportunity for you to hope in God, but as you do that, then he will give us this simple promise that if we'll do that, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Let's take a moment, let's pray together.